Yep. And why don't we get all prayed up uh, as we go to the Lord. Lord, this day we pray that uh, your word might uh, speak to our hearts and may your message be heard even in the words that I speak, but mainly by the words that your Holy Spirit speaks into our hearts and through the word of your scriptures, that we might be strengthened, encouraged, brought deeper in trust of you. Amen. Well, I love the beach. And by the beach, I mean anywhere on an island off of North Carolina. Now, your beach may be somewhere different. Your beach may be at a cabin up north, or maybe it's on an island on the Mississippi or, or in Cancun, Mexico. All beaches are great. But about every other year for the past 40 years, I've gone to a North Carolina beach to sit in the sand and play in the water and fish in the surf. I'll be there in a few weeks, actually. Unfortunately, my timing hasn't been too good. Last year, of course, it was COVID. We, we understand that. But the two times before, we got chased off by a hurricane. You know, there's nothing like flying all the way down there, getting so excited about the trip, and then checking into your place and, and immediately being told you have to evacuate because there's a hurricane coming. Well, when a hurricane comes, time at the beach goes from being a time of fun and games to being a matter of survival. And today we're going to look at one of the most famous beach stories in the Bible. And there are no hurricanes, but, but also this is no lounging around under an umbrella on a beach chair. It's a matter of survival. It's the story of Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. You, you remember from the movie, you know? <laughs> Where, where Moses goes like this and says, Behold his mighty hand, and the, and the waters divide. And, uh, and we don't have any water here, otherwise you'd see the same thing happen, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm no Charlton Heston, and I'm certainly no Moses. But you know what I'm talking about. Moses stands there, and, and the water is divided. But have you ever thought about what they're doing there at the beach in the first place? And what does it have to do with me and you, with our lives today? Even if we get to go to a, a beach this summer, I'm sure we're not going to be parting any water. So is this just one of those, those Bible stories that is about the old times and has no relevance to our lives? Well... Well, let's look at it, and then I'll let you decide. We'll start in Exodus chapter 13. The Israelites have been slaves to the Egyptians for generations. When God raises up Moses to lead them to freedom, and after ten horrible plagues, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, agrees to let God's people go. But God doesn't take them east by the direct route that would lead them to the promised land. Instead, God leads them south towards the Red Sea. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. 
For God said if they faced war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, the movie makes it all about Moses, and, well, actually even the Israelites made it all about Moses too. And people have been looking for a Moses ever since, looking for some leader, some powerful hero to rescue us whether that be a politician or a military hero or, or a guru or a social media influencer, we look to somebody else, somebody else to lead us. But really, it's God who led the Israelites, and it's God who will lead us. Though sometimes following God gets a little confusing. As the Israelites race to get out of slavery in Egypt, God stops them, and sends them to the beach. Chapter 14. <coughs> then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites did this. You know, God has to be the worst military strategist of all time. This ragtag bunch of slaves is, has barely gotten a head start on Pharaoh's army. But God tells them to go backwards and camp at the beach on the Red Sea. Now, the last place any Israelite wants to be is trapped between the sea and the army of the Egyptians. But that's where they go when God tells them to. They went to the beach. So what's your beach? And I don't mean the place you go to relax in the summer. I mean the place where God has sent you that makes no sense. That you didn't want to go, that scared you to death, but you went anyways. What's your beach? And you don't need to see for these kind of beaches. Maybe your beach was having a child. You did the math, you couldn't afford a child. It was the wrong time, it was not what you were looking for at that point in your life, but you prayed, and you discerned that that's what God wanted. You had a child. Or maybe, maybe your beach is standing up for what's right at work or in school. Maybe some coworkers are putting somebody else down or wanting you to do something that was unethical and wanting you to join in, but you just couldn't as a follower of God. And so as scary and as risky as it was you took your stand on that beach and you trusted in God and you followed what the Lord wanted. Or maybe your beach was a relationship 
and you knew God wanted you to stay, but you were afraid and it didn't make sense. Maybe it was taking care of, of a spouse with Alzheimer's. Or maybe it was working to repair a broken marriage. Or maybe what God was telling you to do was to stop a relationship. That continuing to live with that person was not God's plan for you. Or that those friends that you're hanging around with would just lead you into trouble. At my previous church, uh, the music director was practicing the piano during the week. And a young man walked into the sanctuary wearing a ski mask. And for some reason, well, you know the reason, but for some reason, instead of bolting out the side door, the music director, she felt compelled to talk with him. And so she did. He was a leader of a gang. He had wanted to get out, but he was afraid of what they would do to him. And so he put on that ski mask. Because he said it, if his fellow gang members thought he was going into a church for any reason other than to rob it, he would get in trouble. So he pretended that he was going to rob the church. Instead, he asked for prayers. Prayers that he'd have the courage to get out. Prayers for forgiveness for all the lives that he'd damaged. Leaving the gang life was his beach. And talking to a masked gang member was her beach. But they both trusted in God and they took a stand on their beach. So what's your beach? A place that God sends you that, that doesn't make sense, but you know that that's where God wants you to be. And so you trust him. Never be afraid to take a stand on a beach that God sends you to. Now, of course, also, don't be stupid and stand on a beach that God doesn't send you to. You know, <clears throat> and I'm not just talking about those nuts who rush to the beach when they see that there's a hurricane coming. You know, those ones that, that go out there to see the storm and then wind up having to be rescued by, by somebody else risking their lives to save them. But I'm also talking about, about where are the places in your life where, where our pride or our ignorance or our laziness has us, has us making a stand where we shouldn't where it's really not about God, where it's really more about us. Putting yourself on a beach with the sea to your back and an army in front of you is usually a very stupid thing to do. So unless God has actually sent you there, don't do it. But if God has, then trust him. Trust him. And you may see miracles. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go. We've lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready, and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. 
the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. So this is the point where the rubber hits the road or, or where the, the toes hit the sand. When they went to the beach, there was no army, but now they see it bearing down on them. Will they continue to trust in God? The short answer is no. No. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You ever think like that? You do something because you know God wants you to do it. You're all brave and you're courageous. But when the going gets tough, you quickly start whining and blaming God. What are you trying to do to us, God? You're trying to kill us? Leave us alone. We'd rather be slaves than follow you. Sometimes we need to remember the words that Moses spoke to those folks on the beach. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you this day. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. <coughs> now that sounds like uh, a bit like last week's message on, on rest and, and napping. In rest and repentance is your salvation, says the Lord, we heard. Except this time, God doesn't tell them to rest. Moses tells them to rest, but God tells them to get moving. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they'll go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. The Lord had called them to the beach, but he didn't bring them there to just sit. This is no vacation. He brought them there to have a chance to learn to trust in God, a chance to be free, a chance to be saved. God says, I'll make the way, but you have to get up and move. I'll make the way, but you've got to get up and move. It's like that old joke. You know, the one about uh, a hurricane hits and a guy is in the house and the waters are rising and somebody pulls up in a big truck and says, get in, I'll drive you to safety. And the person says, no, the Lord will take care of me. And the waters rise and it's up to the, the first floor is flooded and somebody pulls up with a boat and, and uh, he's leaning out the window and, and they, say, they say to him, get in the boat. And he says, no. God will take care of me. The waters rise further. He's up on the top of his roof. 
And a helicopter flies over and it lowers a basket. And they say, get in the basket. And he says, no, God will take care of me. And the waters rise further and he drowns and he goes to heaven. And he says, God, I thought you said you would take care of me. And God says, what? I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What more do you want? We need Mikhail for rimshot. Yeah. You know, so often, so often, we just hear the, that first part of Moses, sit still, and you'll see God's deliverance. But God here says, get moving. Raise your hand, part that water, start walking, and you'll see my salvation. story continues. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of the Israel army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. God will do the miracle, but they've got to do their part. Quit complaining, trust in God, get off that beach, and walk to freedom. So what do you think? Are there any applications for your life in a story like this? God ever lead you somewhere that's scary, risky, maybe even didn't make sense to you? Maybe the Lord's doing it right now. Will you trust or complain? Will you sit there in fear or will you follow God's lead? Where's your beach? And where is God asking you to trust in him? Probably doesn't even have sun or sand. But then again, it might. You've heard me tell my story before. But with all the, the forest fires going on, brings back memories of time in my youth. When I was literally there on the shore, on the beach, trapped with death facing us. Our youth group had... Uh, had gone uh, backpacking in the mountains in, in New Mexico. And we woke up one morning and the smoke was pouring down the hillside. We realized that there was a forest fire between us and the road out. And so our only way of escape was to, was to flee many miles through that scorching heat to the Rio Grande River. And it's a lot bigger up there in that uh, northern stretch of it is than it is down along the border 
kind of runs out of steam. But we reached that, and, and it was, we were too exhausted, and it was too big for us to cross. So we had the fire on one side and the waters on the other. So we started going down, down river, and we run into a, a rock ridge that blocked our way. There was, there was no escape. There was water, rock, and fire. And then, just as it seemed that it would be too late, uh, we were rescued by a, a Coast Guard boat, of all things. We were plucked from the shore. And I can still hear my, my friend's ever so helpful uh, encouragement as we were going through that. We're going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> we're going to die. <coughs> but we didn't die. And God taught me to trust that day. God taught me to trust. It's one of the reasons why I'm a pastor. It's one of the reasons why in place after place, in situations that I never thought I'd be in, scary, frightening, nonsensical sometimes situations that I've been sent to by the Lord, I've gone. Because I learned to trust. I've learned to trust. So if you ask me, are there life applications in this scripture? For me, there are. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs chapter 3. And I think we'll just... Leave it there and let God have the last word. Amen.